0: And all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, Old Man Grognard here. Happy Saturday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm sort of, I'm still recuperating in case I never mentioned it before as my squeaky chair squeaks. I had my gallbladder out a few days ago, and I'm still kind of recuperating, so I'm trying to take it easy. The operative word there is trying. I also know at the time of this recording my good friend Eric Tinkar at Tinkar's Tavern, Chavern Chat, and all that good stuff has in the hospital he's he's home right now, but he had three stints put in his heart, and they cleared out some blockages, and he has to go back. In a couple of weeks, to do some more, another procedure. So, my thought, my good thoughts and prayers are going out to him, his wife, Rach, and the rest of his people. And I hope he pulls, I really, really hope he pulls through it. And, you know, we're thinking about you, Eric. Anyway, he's called here a couple of times. So, has he? Yeah. Okay. Well, today I'm going to talk something about dungeon logistics. Because I've been reading some stuff. And I just wanted to talk about that for a bit. And we'll do that right after this. So, I looked... I've been looking through... (laughs) When all else fails, I looked through my 1E Dungeon Master's Guide. And sometimes it gives me ideas. Sometimes it just gives me something to talk about. And I was looking at a section in uh, economics and things like that, and the campaign. Talks, Gary talks about monster populations and placement. And he makes sense. I mean, you've heard some of this before. It's like, you know, you got to be careful on how you... I'm just going to take the dungeon. How you do how you populate a dungeon? Because, you know, you got to make it sound plausible. Everything's got to be plausible. Notice I didn't say possible. I didn't say realistic. I said plausible. Because this is a supernatural, magical world. Usually when you're dealing with, whether it's high magic or low magic, it is out of the ordinary. And you're dealing with usually magic and fantastical, what they call fantastical creatures, which just, and, and all of them just happen to be part of, the, part of the flora and fauna, the ecosystem. So, you know, it has to be, to me, plausible. If a creature can fly that is not a bird or something like that, or a bat, then, okay, I can roll with it if it's plausible. I mean, you know, beholders float, and I'm not asking for a big old logical explanation for that. I just take it... Anybody who lived there would just take it for granted. They float. You know, the creatures that exist, owl bears, owls and bears combined... They just are, because that's the way... I mean, you can, you can come up with a fanciful backstory for this stuff, but, you know, the people who lived, have lived there for their entire lives just take, take it into consideration. Oh, it'll go in the woods, there's some owlbears in there. You know, that kind of thing. But I'm also reading about placement of things like monsters in a dungeon. Uh, to me, the dungeon logistics is kind of important, even though I'm not the kind of guy who wants realism, but like I said, I want it to be plausible. And to me, dungeons are, I'm not going to say they're not plausible. They're just barely plausible. It's, maybe it's another thing that I just talked about, which was people living all their lives are assumed that people like wizards and other of those types create underground layers, fortresses, or whatever, or wizard's towers. That's just the way it goes. So you've got to think about the logistics of this stuff. I start with, how full is the dungeon? I don't remember. I was looking for a quote by Gary in 1ADMG or something where I read about like what percentage of the dungeon should be populated and i'm talking about living creatures here i'm not talking well i'm talking about tricks and traps too but you know the why has to be taken care of at some point if you know what i mean and using my plausible argument the why does not have to be a real big answer but then again it should also be why not It should, or should, I'm sorry, it should not be, why not? To me, plausibility should be, is fantastic consistency. Everything has its own rules. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, we talk about how, how full is your dungeon? I don't see, I don't see anybody should have like what, Gary Gary refers to as a Disneyland-type dungeon, although everybody says Teagle Manor. kind of like borders on that. But I, I think every room in a dungeon should be interesting, but it doesn't have to have something fantastic in it. An empty kitchen could be interesting just for the stuff that's there or not there, just for the stuff they leave behind. An empty room could have been used as storage at one time, so you see, maybe a little flower on the floor, or maybe somebody left a one barrel of something in there. Another one, another one with like, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's just some some remnants of something. Maybe there's a chair in the middle of the room, you know that kind of thing. So I do I do feel that like two only two. More, uh, my, my estimation is only two-thirds of the dungeon should have stuff in it. Tricks, traps, monsters, treasure. Just to make it seem plausible that somebody lived here or somebody lived here. People lived here. Every dungeon usually has a history anyway. You know, one thing gets placed by another. And when, while we're at it, why are the monsters here? Had they been placed here or they just sort of found it? Usually my experience with dungeon is these creatures are found creatures, and I mean by they found their way into the dungeon somehow, and they stay here for whatever reason. Maybe they're trapped in here. Uh let's take uh let's take the owlbear thing again. Maybe he got trapped in here. And he can't find his way out, but he found enough foodstuffs to make it worthwhile. Maybe he can't find anything to eat. Maybe he's totally ravenous and hungry. He's going to attack you. Other creatures, sort of sentient creatures like goblins. Goblins are notorious, notorious for taking over areas. Goblins, orcs, goblinoids, you know, you name it. Bugbears, gnolls, uh, because they need, they're always needing a place to stay. They're always need to if if they're driven out somewhere else. Say they have a tribe in the woods and they're driven out by adventurers. They gotta have a place to stay. They may have scouts on the lookout for this stuff all the time. It might work that way. You know. Uh, let's let's go on to another ta- another uh, aspect of this treasure. Now, why would people leave gold and jewels around? Well, there's very some. Some reason, some very good. Maybe a horde of some mad wizard who died. It may be stuff that people left when a bigger threat came along and they had to cut and run. It may be the aforementioned goblins had to leave or something like that and couldn't take every- They took as much as they could and they couldn't take everything. You see where this is going. Dead dead adventurers, dead goblins, dead monsters may have something on them like golden jewels that's how that gets there that's plausible to me so it and also i think plausibility is something you shouldn't think too hard about if you come up with a reason why it's here boom you're good one sentence you're good it's like an elevator pitch you know if you a high concept it's something you can summarize in one sentence one or two sentences you're good especially i go for one sentence so, you have that. And then there's tricks and traps and puzzles. Those are the hardest for me to justify in a dungeon. Unless this dungeon is here for a specific reason, is still occupied or recently abandoned. And why would you have a trick or a trap in here? Also, I watched a, uh, I watched How to Be a Better Game Master videos on YouTube. And he points out that somewhere in a dungeon, if it's gonna be like this, somewhere in the dungeon, there's gotta be a lever, maybe more than one, where you can pull it and all the traps are negated. So if you live there for an extended period of time or acolytes or whoever lives there, they don't have to you don't have to run through a gauntlet every time you want to go to the latrine. Or something. Or go, go to the lab to get something. You just want to pull the lever, dis, disengage. In fact, I'd leave them disengaged while I'm still there. And then before I go, I'll pull the lever and, tr- you know, make the traps live again. It, it's like people leaving f- for a trip and they have a home security system they turn it on. Or they leave the house, they turn on home se- security system. Same thing. That's what traps, that's why they put the traps in there. So nobody would mess with their stuff. Or whatever they got going, and it, for the most part, that works. So that gives you some thinking, something to think about, dungeon logistics. And I'm going to go start my day, or whatever. Is I'm kind of sore, so I'm going to go lie down. I think. But before I do, I want to say, if you want to talk to me about this or just discuss this or anything, oldmangrognardgmail.com. You can drop a voicemail and Anchor. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. Thanks again, Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, and John Allen. Thank you, guys. Don't forget, Dan Gregg's The Young Grognard Podcast, Y-U-N-G, good program. Also, Mark C. rings The Yawning Owlbear Podcast, and John Allen Larges' The Red Dice Diary. So...